Well, I was at a place called Pendle Hill in Pennsylvania a few weeks ago for a week-long uh, retreat workshop on Quaker spirituality. Pendle Hill is a small place just north of Philadelphia, which is one of the original Quaker centers in the United States. And it's not very far from Germantown, where the very first Mennonite congregation in North America was established in the year 1690. Uh, the first settlers came about 1683, and actually they worshiped together with the Quakers right in that area before they formed Germantown Mennonite Church. Um, I enjoyed learning more about the early Quakers who began in England in the 17th century, about a, about a hundred years after the early Anabaptists. And there's lots of similarities between the Quakers and the Anabaptists, as you probably know. Um, both groups dissented from the state churches of their day. Both believed very strongly that they did not need the mediation of priests or special sacraments in order to experience God's Spirit. They believed that the Holy Spirit was freely bestowed on everyone, not just the educated, not just men, but everyone um, out of God's generosity. They thought, like the Anabaptists, you didn't need to have an education or a clerical status to be able to um, interpret God's word or, to be able, or in order to be a channel for the Spirit to work its way and even its power. And both groups also came to the clear conviction that violence in any form was counter to God's will. And they both suffered for these convictions. One of the things I noticed that the, uh, as learning about them is there was a difference in the Quaker language for spirituality. It seemed like a more, in a way, a more developed or sophisticated, in a way, language for spirituality. I don't know if it's sophisticated, but they had different language for it. They, um, they talked at length in the early 17th century about the inner light that was within each person. And they had ways of being together in silence and discerning this inner light um, and learned ways about when to speak and when not to speak in a silent meeting. Uh, they, the word Quaker comes from they would quake. Their bodies would kind of tremble when they felt like the spirit was present urging them to say something. Um, and they were convinced that the whole goal of the Christian life was to know this spirit and to live in harmony with the spirit in all of life. So it's really a quite remarkable spiritual um, insight and practice that they had and have. At our retreat, we did spend a fair bit of time in silence, um, but we also did some singing, which I learned is quite unusual for the Quakers. Many there's unprogrammed Quakers, and I learned that there's programmed Quakers. Um, there's a whole range of Quakers, just like there are Mennonites. <clears throat> the unprogrammed ones don't sing. They just sit in silence until someone speaks. The programmed ones have a pastor, and they have a worship service, not all that different from ours. Maybe a little more silence in the middle. Um, but we sang at this retreat some chants that a woman named Paulette Meyer um, put to music. She took some um, early quotes from the early Quakers 
and set them to music in a chant form, at when originally for her own spiritual practice so she could remember these early phrases. Um, then people found out about it and they wanted to sing these too and so she did a, made a CD called Timeless Quaker Wisdom. And I, I want to play one of the chants in a, in a moment. Um, I play some of these Thursday morning here at the church. I have a quiet contemplative prayer time from 8 to 8.30 and sometimes I play one of these chants before um, we spend the time in silence. Um, the one we're going to hear is called An Infinite Ocean of Light, and it's a quote from George Fox, uh, really one of the primary founders of the Quaker movement. And it comes directly from his journal, and it's a vision he had or a spiritual message in a time of silent prayer. He says, I saw that there was an ocean of darkness and death, but an infinite ocean of light and love, which flowed over the ocean of darkness. In that I also saw the infinite love of God, and I had great openings. So we'll hear the, the song. I saw that there was an ocean of darkness and death, but an infinite ocean of light and love, which flowed over the ocean of darkness. In that I also saw the infinite love of God, and I had great openings. I saw that there was an ocean of darkness and death, but an infinite ocean of light and love, which flowed over the ocean of darkness. In that I also saw the infinite love of God, and I had great openings. Well, this text and the music spoke to me at the retreat and really to the whole group, because there was a sense that in a way, we're living through a time of darkness and death in our world, especially as we contemplate the loss of species that we hear about, the dangerously warming climate. As we've been witnessing the coarse and polarizing political discourse in our societies, as we've recently heard the report of the many, many um, indigenous women in our country who've died premature deaths, often with no care from anyone. When George Fox had this vision, uh, he was also experiencing a time of darkness and death, for it was a time of religious persecution. Many of the Quakers uh, were imprisoned and some were killed, like our early forebears as well. And yet in the midst of the darkness, Fox had this vision of an ocean of light and love which flowed over the ocean of darkness. 
and of the infinite love of God which outlasts and outlives the darkness. He sensed this hope deep from within himself. Uh, It was a message to him from the Holy Spirit, the gift that we are celebrating today on Pentecost Sunday. This Holy Spirit, which is really the Spirit of Jesus, who suffered the worst darkness and death, who lived through it and who lives still. And so as we reflect today on Pentecost, on this gift of the Holy Spirit to the church, um, I want to remind us that the gift of the Spirit is something that we carry within ourselves. It's part of us. It's not far away. It's very close. It's not something we have to do something to receive. But it is a gift that we must attend to. We must make an effort to notice it and to make space for it in our lives. The Spirit seems to be such that she does not um, force herself. She allows herself to be obscured if there's too much noise in our lives, if if we choose not to pay attention. So, on this Pentecost Sunday, let us be reminded of the importance of paying attention. Let us make room for the inner light within us and within our community that God may give us courage and hope for these days ahead. Amen.